Hello, my friends. My name is Nicholas Kanhai, and you're listening to What Can I Tell You? A Conversational Guide to Product Management. Every once in a while, you meet a person who just blows you away with their boundless energy and passion. Joining me on today's show is such one guest. Quadrio Shibotu is an experienced product manager, the author of Product Management, A Complete Guide on Creating Products That People Love, and the founder of Product Hall, an online product management academy that aims to equip new and aspiring PMs with the tools they need to succeed. Quadri shares with us his journey from business school to becoming a product manager, elaborates on what goes into writing a book on the subject, as well as starting one's own academy, and imparts invaluable wisdom and tips on becoming a great PM. Enjoy the show. So Quadri, welcome to the show. Welcome to What Can I Tell You? Uh, great to have you here today. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Um, so let's let's start with your background a little bit, if that's okay with you. I'd like to I'd like to know how you came to be the person that you are, and like given all the things that you're doing, uh, I'd like to know like what your path was, and I think that'll be interesting for the audience. So. My first question is, so you, you went to Schulich School of Business at York University uh, in Toronto. When you began your studies there, did you even know what product management was at that time? When I was at Schulich, I had no clue what product management was. <clears throat> I only found out about product management post-graduating from my undergraduate program. I actually decided to go to business school because in high school, I wasn't sure what career path I wanted to pursue. Mm. So I figured if I go to a good business school, because Schulich is one of the top ranked business schools in number one, I sorry, in Canada, they say number one, but you know, marketing, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but they do have a (laughs) great program. So I figured if I go to business school, one of the beneficial things about business is that business touches all industries. So hopefully I'll figure out what I want to do with my life when I'm there. So I got accepted to Schulich, and while I was studying, there were various career paths that I was thinking about. I thought about going into consulting, but I took a management consulting class. And after learning two key things that didn't exactly vibe with me, you know, one being the fact that on average, depending on the organization you work for, you'll be working a minimum of 60 hours a week. I figure it's very difficult to maintain a good work-life balance when you're working that often. Mm. And then along with that, as a consultant working on an engagement for a client, You can work for many months doing research, strategizing for them. You hand them your results at the end of the engagement, and they can literally take those results and put them on a shelf, meaning they don't necessarily have to implement the advice that you give them because there are many reasons why companies hire consultants, not necessarily with regards to finding out what the best thing for them to do is, as I learned. So I thought to myself, it would make more sense for me to join a company, work hard with that company, and we grow together. Schulich, to a certain extent, they also push people to become accountants. You walk around the school and you see signs such as, you know, get a CA, rule the world. I considered it. Uh, I did study accounting in grade 11, 12 in my first two years at Schulich. But me personally, as valuable as accounting is as a skill, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I find it extremely boring after a certain while. Unless it's, you know, money laundering, that kind of accounting (laughs) where you're trying to find out who stole money and from, from where. So... I thought about that. That didn't exactly vibe with me. And then I also thought to myself, you know what, if all else fails, I did study French in university. I'll just get a job with the government. Even if it's boring, at least I'll get good benefits and hopefully life will be will be roses thereafter. But I didn't pay as much attention as I should have, so I'm not fluent, but I may pursue that goal again in the 
in the future. Now, I got into product management, I like to say accidentally, basically upon graduating from my undergraduate program, an entrepreneur that I met who was the founder and CEO of a company called Tiny Hearts, mm-hmm. a mobile dev studio based in Toronto. They were purchased by Shopify a couple of years back, but at the time his company was growing. So he invited me to the Ryerson DMZ where their office was located at the time. And the Ryerson Digital Media Zone, it's a tech incubator based here in Toronto, Ontario. And he drew out his plans on a whiteboard and asked if I wanted to work for him. So I thought to myself at the time, do I want to take this risk and join this startup company that I've never heard of before? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to get a job at a company like, say, Sears or TD, whereby if I tell my mom I got a job there, she would feel that, you know, I've actually made something of myself (laughs) in life. But I thought, you know, why not? I'm young. Let me join this company. If it fails, so be it. I'll gain some valuable experience. And if it grows, then I'll grow with it. And that's basically how I got into product management. And I think one of the things that caught Roble's eye with regards to me was the fact that in my final years of university, I did join a health startup based in Toronto called Hygiena. And I assisted them with building and launching their company and launching their first flagship product, which is basically a plastic nozzle that you attach to a regular size water bottle that turns it into a personal portable bidet. That was a great experience for me, more so with regards to the fact that in business school, you learn a lot of the theory, you know, the knowledge of how to start a business, how to run it, et cetera. But when you work for a startup company, especially getting it off the ground, you learn a lot from hands-on experience. So the managers literally, to a certain extent, they give me free reign of the business. So I got a chance to manage marketing, customer success, shipping and logistics, right? set up the price points, chat with distributors all over the world, going to events to sell the units and more. It was a great opportunity for me. And it really gave me a chance to learn a lot more about the business world in general. So it sounds like, it sounds like you were playing the role of a product manager, product manager at that company for that physical product, that actual like tangible, like a non-digital product. Uh, and you, you got to learn firsthand all of the different aspects of what goes into launching something like that and maintaining the business and forecasting and, you know, trying to uh, make it um, kind of stand on its own. And then that was a valuable set of skills that you learned from that experience that you were able to pull forward into tiny hearts. So I'm curious, like you, you said they reached out to you. How did they know about you and how did they know to reach out about you? And did they have you in mind for specifically a product manager role? Like, was that the, t- the title that you went into with Tiny, ha- Tiny Hearts? I met Roble at York because I invited him to, well, actually, I met him from a friend of his. I was actually working for his friend's beverage company at the time. So I was involved in a lot of different entrepreneurial pursuits <laughs> in university. None of them really panned out per se, except Hygiena, which did relatively well. But a friend of his started a beverage company and I was assisting him with getting that off the ground. So I met Roble through him. But then after that, I invited Roble to come and speak to some of our students at an entrepreneurial event. And then besides that, you know, we followed one another on Facebook. So I guess because he saw my regular posts with regards to what I was doing mm. business-wise and also with Hygiena, it maybe kept me top of mind for him. And in general, Roble just has a good eye for talent because I was the first full-time employee at Tiny Hearts. But after myself, Corey also joined as a product manager. He started a company recently that's doing very well. And there were other individuals that he brought into the company. So people that he saw had drive and had potential, he would bring them in and give them opportunities. Now, when I joined, 
I don't know if he brought me in specifically for the title of a product manager. I had no clue what product management was until <laughs> I joined the company, Fair. but that's the title that I was given. And I've been a product manager ever, ever since. How long ago is that now? I joined Tiny Hearts in 2013. Okay. So, so about seven, eight years now. Not bad. Yeah. Um, thinking back to your degree at Schulich and what you learned and your accounting and your French and everything, how did those skills uh, help you in that first official product management job? Like, how did your business degree help you there? And, and alternatively, what did it not prepare you for? And how did you overcome the hurdles that a new job and a new title uh, kind of threw at you? Like product manager, like it's a huge job. The benefit of going to Schulich was, especially in the first two years, there are many courses that you are required to take, right? For example, let's just say corporate social responsibility, accounting, financial finances, et cetera, a whole bunch of courses that are required. They really give you a solid and foundational understanding of how businesses run and operate. So Tiny Hearts was a startup company and the, the knowledge that I gained at Schulich was beneficial because it allowed me to assist Tiny Hearts as they grew, right? So looking over the contracts, for example, assisting with the accounting and the bookkeeping, also just giving general advice with regards to how to manage our project. So even though my title was associate or junior product manager when I joined, as you know, when you work within a startup company, no matter what your title is, you're wearing multiple hats, yeah, right? For sure. So my business background was able to assist Roble and just helping to set up the right processes as the company grew. And this also helped my role transition because though I started as a product manager, I eventually ended up becoming the director of operations as well, doing more accounting work, helping with managing the company's finances. And then along with that, helping with hiring and setting up the right processes to lead us to success. The thing that I'd say Schulich didn't prepare me for was just getting more involved in the startup and tech world in general, mm. right? Schulich does a good job of, for example, training their students to be leaders, being able to communicate effectively, to present, but we didn't exactly learn a lot when it came to software and technology, and it's understandable. It's not necessarily part of the organization's curriculum. Now they're getting more in the software space where other individuals, they're helping more to, you know, assist Schulich and York students that are entrepreneurial, but when I did join Tiny Hearts, after a while, I thought to myself, there's a lot that I'm going to have to learn here, especially when it comes to how software and technology works, mm. because I knew about business and how to start a business and run a business, but how to build a tech product from the ground up and make it successful. That's something that I had to learn from experience and also classes and watching Roblay and learning as, as well. So a lot of my product management knowledge initially was just hands-on. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, learning, learning the software development uh, kind of processes it's not easy if you're coming in from uh, different educational backgrounds. And it's funny because we see so many product managers come in from different backgrounds and like they jump into, you know, the digital space and it's a pretty steep learning curve. There's a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, how did you, you said you watched some videos on YouTube and you were kind of self-taught in that regard, but like what, what helped you the most? What helped me the most watching Roble. Yeah. Right. He was a good boss, but he also played a role as a mentor as well. So he was patient with me, would teach me the ropes. For example, when I first joined the company, I'm fresh out of Schulich, one of the top business schools in Canada. I was very professional. Even the emails that I sent were mm. super professional. Right. 
and in the tech scene, especially when it comes to startups, people aren't always as professional. So that's something that I worked on. But yeah, he gave me money projects that I could work on. They gave me a chance to learn just watching him and how he interacted and how he performed his work. I also read books and articles that he recommended. And I did take a product management boot camp course. There was an organization called Design Co-Founders. I don't know if you've heard of them. No, I've not. That was founded by Mustafa Joshim. So he has his own startup now, but it was a design studio based here in Toronto. And of course, they did agency work for select clients. So for a period of time, he actually ran a product management bootcamp for product managers, designers, and developers as well. So that course was beneficial. I took that and I learned a lot. And then besides that, it was just me taking my own initiative to try to learn software development because... For many years, I had a rock on my shoulder. I felt inadequate to a certain extent because at a certain point, I thought to myself, here I am as a product manager. I'm sitting beside and working with iOS developers, web developers, but I don't know how to code. How am I going to communicate with them and do yeah. my job well, yeah. right? So I did try to learn web development. I also tried to learn iOS development. The only issue was I wasn't consistent with it, unfortunately. Right. If I was, maybe I'd be a great developer now. But I've learned over the years, you don't have to be a good software developer. To be honest, you don't even have to know how to code to be a good product manager. As long as you have a decent understanding of how software and technology works and you can communicate effectively with your team. It is still on my bucket list. So in the future, if the desire is still there, I may still learn how to code, but it's not as high priority for me any, anymore. But one of the things that I've noticed from when I initially got into product management up until now, there seems to be more resources online from articles to books to YouTube videos to even online boot camps teaching product management, mm -hmm. which is good because more and more people are getting into this space. So people don't have to just learn by doing. There are many resources that people can utilize to learn how to be a great product manager. Yeah. Some resources are better than others, but at least the amount of resources are increasing yeah and we'll we'll get into those resources you yourself are responsible for a few of them uh so we'll yes. get into that in a little bit um for me i noticed that the thing that helped me the most when i was going through that hurdle of learning software development uh in terms of like learning how to like work at an agency um because i work at it you work for a product company right now uh, and I work for a digital agency uh, on the consultancy side. And when I first started, I didn't really know too, too much about it. I had done some, I had, I had co-founded a startup of my own and, you know, I had figured out the ropes by working with engineers and, and some developers, but I wasn't super proficient at it. And what really helped me was actually going and taking a bootcamp, um, like an intro to HTML, uh, CSS and JavaScript. And I did that for a few months and wow, that really supercharged my ability to communicate with developers. It was unbelievable how much it helped because all of a sudden I could start, I could start talking to them in a language where we were equals. And despite the fact that I cannot write a line of code today, despite all of that, um, I, I'm much better off for it. So I totally, totally hear you on that. And, uh, and, and, you know, kind of on that, on that subject, I, I'm curious to know your thoughts. So this is something that we've talked about on the show before, but I always love hearing from, from different guests what their perspective is on the difference between working in the consultancy side as a product manager and working on the, in the product shop, like in an actual uh, product company as a, as a kind of like, just to explain the difference at a high level, working in the consultancy side, you're working with different clients. You're working on scopes of work. Uh, they come to you with, uh, 
you know, we want to build X, Y, Z, and then, you know, you give them an estimate for how much that costs and then you execute on that. On the product side, you're owning, on the product company side, you're owning uh, the P&L for the product, you're owning the roadmap, you're determining what features and functionality to release, you're working with likely an internal uh, group of developers and designers, or maybe sometimes, um, you know, consultancy like mine to be able to get uh, assets that you need. But you're owning that product internally. You're not dealing with a, a client. You've done some work on the consultancy side, uh, have you not? And can you can you share a bit about how, what the difference is and how you've perceived that difference? Sure. So one of the reasons why Tiny Hearts was a great experience for me, especially as my first full time job as a product manager, was I got a chance to see both sides. So product, I mean, so Tiny Hearts was a product company, but at the same time, we also did select client work for a select number of customers. Mm. We had our own products that we would create from scratch, apps that we would create and then ship them directly to the App Store and also the Google Play Store. But we also did design and development work from apps and websites to a select number of clients. Now, for a small company or for a company in general, it's difficult to balance both of them. One of the things we were trying to get to was to just be a full-on product company because it's fun creating your own products. It's just difficult if you don't have those right products to get it to a state where you can be financially sustainable. And then along with that, customers pay good money, especially if you're skilled at what you do, right? So there is sometimes a tension of, do you wanna focus more on client work and earn revenue there? Or do you wanna spend the time working on your own products to hopefully be a full-fledged product company? Right. Now, when I left Tiny Hearts, I left because I joined Gigster. Gigster gave me, gave me a great opportunity that at the time I felt I can't refuse because it was something that would benefit me. And I just felt for my own growth and based off of the responsibilities that I had at Tiny Hearts at that time that I would have preferred to work at Gigster. Interestingly enough, though, five or six months after I left Tiny Hearts, they got bought by Shopify. <laughs> so I don't exactly regret my decision. I'm very happy for the team. One of the reasons why I wanted to continue working in Gigster and then connected thereafter was because I wanted to continue doing agency work. One of the benefits of working within an agency or agencies as a product manager is, especially if you don't have any defined goals of a specific industry that you want to work on in mm, the future, yeah. it gives you a chance to meet many different customers that are solving many different problems for many different industries. So you get a lot of exposure on that front. And for the most part, I did enjoy it. It gave me a chance to meet many cool people. It gave me a chance to really flex my delivery skills, mm -hmm. working with designers and developers to get things done. And even working in Gigster, being a product manager, but also part of the Delight team, which is similar to a customer success team, I got a chance to see possibly many of the things that can potentially go wrong when building software, which benefits me now when I work within a product company. But after a while, I felt like I don't want to do agency work anymore. I want to work within a product company. There are pros and cons to each one. With regards to working in an agency as a product manager, one of the pros is, of course, you get a chance to work with many customers that are solving problems for various industries. So you get a lot of exposure to a lot of different problems that can be solved and different solutions that you're building, right? Along with that, the work is a lot more delivery focused, which can be a good thing because you're getting a chance to practice getting things done and getting things out the door. Another thing that could potentially be a pro or also a con is the fact that once you build a product for your customer and you hand them version one, whether that product is successful post-launch or not, it's not really your responsibility because you could build a stellar product, 
But if they don't market it or support it well and it fails, it's not really your fault. Though they still might blame you per se, right? <laughs> they might. <laughs> the, yes. The, the con, however, of working in an agency as a product manager, at least from what I found, is that you don't get as much experience practicing all of the steps of the product development process. You do research and validation with your customers, understanding the problem, coming up with the features of what you want to build, give them a project plan, you build it, you design it, you test it, and then you hand them the product. But with regards to measuring the metrics of that product post-launch, chatting with the customers to get feedback, prioritizing the feedback, determining what you're going to do, setting the long-term strategy for that product, continuing to refine and work on the roadmap, you don't get to work on those tasks because it's for the company that you created the product for to work on it. And then along with that, just me personally, there's a lot of hassle that comes with dealing with clients and customers sometimes. Mm. There was one great product that I built for a large grocery retail chain in Canada. Great product that we built for them. Basically, their key stakeholders, they appreciated the fact that I included them as part of the process. Before we even started design, I did interviews with them, understanding their problems, showing them wireframes, getting their feedback. And they liked the fact that I even included them in the process because some companies, when it comes to internal tools, they'll simply just hand their employees a tool to use. And whether it looks good or it works well, they don't really care as mm -hmm. long as it gets the job done and it's not too costly. But we built a great product. Their employees were looking forward to using it. But till this day, that product has not been launched because that company had some other issues that they were dealing with. And just to be frank, it wasn't a priority for them. Mm. The manager that wanted this product built, one of his motivations was simply because he wanted to use his budget for the year. Because if he didn't, <laughs> then the following year, he wouldn't get at least the same amount, right? right? So it was a very frustrating experience. I really enjoyed working on it. And I really hoped that that product could have been launched, but there's not much that I can do about it. It's not necessarily my product. I don't have ownership over it. Yeah, that's really that's really what it comes down to. Is uh, that's the experience that I have on the on the client side, or not on the client side, on the agency side, where I'm I'm getting a ton of I've like over the past three and a half years now. I've I've worked in probably about eight different eight or nine different age uh, uh, industries, uh, completely different industry verticals. I've I've learned so much about. Uh, like apparel. I've learned so much about, <laughs> hilariously enough, cannabis, because I also built a cannabis e-commerce website. And now I'm learning about uh, the QSR industry. So the quick service uh, restaurant industry, where I'm working very closely with a, a, um, a fast food chain based out of the US. And we are doing a full scale digital transformation of all of their, their like digital e-commerce channels. So iOS, Android, web, and we're doing all kinds of backend work for them as well. And it's, it's, it's awesome because I come into these, these new industry verticals blind, but by the time I'm done working with these clients, I've gained so much knowledge and experience that I can speak intelligently with other uh, companies within that vertical. And I understand the kinds of challenges that they're facing. And I understand the kind of solutions that we can provide them with because I've just had all that exposure. But coming back to what you said, once we launch some of those products for them, whether it be websites or apps or features and functionalities within, you know, uh, uh, an ecosystem, that's kind of where it ends. And our company, my, the company that I'm working at right now, we're trying to push this, this co-innovation approach with our clients where we become long-term partners. And as a product manager and as, as like our product practice evolves, I'm pushing to be more involved in the ongoing relationship. Mm -hmm 
primarily because I want the product managers on my team, as well as myself, to gain experience at being at the table with our clients to determine the roadmap for products, to understand like we're doing analytics for them. We are literally setting up their analytics roadmap and implementing it. We also want to be a part of measuring it and helping them make decisions. But at the end of the day, those are business decisions. And the business decisions yeah. are owned by the business. We can make recommendations, but the, the, it doesn't fall on us uh, at the end of the day, you know? Mm -hmm. So totally hear what you say on that. Um, and I totally agree. It's, it's an interesting dichotomy. And for anybody listening who you know, is trying to decide between one and the other, I don't think one is better than the other. I think they're just different. And you, you learn from different things from both. Yeah. I mean, once, once I had that experience, I basically said to myself at a certain point, that's it. I'm done with agency work. It's been <laughs> fun. I've gained a lot of experience. I want to work for a product company now. Because even when I remember Tiny Hearts, when we built our own products, it was a very fun experience, right? In an agency, you might have a team of developers and designers, and that team continues to be rotated with each product or project you work on. But when you work within a product company, you and your team might build a product for six months. One year you launch it, there's more camaraderie. There's more of a closer relationship there mm. to a certain extent. And at the same time, it's just nice having full ownership of the product to a certain extent where you can say, this is what we're going to build or this is what we're not going to build based off of the following reasons. And you don't have to worry so much to a certain extent, because of course, there are always stakeholders that will influence what gets done. But you don't have to worry so much about external factors that aren't as important per se. The, the con of working at a product company, I'd say, and it's not so much of a con, it's just there is a lot more responsibility. Yeah. If you build a product and you ship it, that product needs to be successful. Yeah. Not only that, within six months, those metrics need to be higher. Within a year, those metrics need to be higher. Because right. To a certain extent, the way that the product and also the product manager is going to be graded will be based off of whether that product reaches its key success metrics or not. So there is always that pressure of making the product better over and over and over again and continuing to scale that product. And it can get stressful, but it comes with the territory. But when it comes to being a product manager, if you want full-on experience of practicing all of the steps of the product development process, you'll get it from working for a product company. And as you mentioned, it's not to say one is better than the other. Fortunately, I've had experience in both. And after a while, I said I'm done with agency work. And now I'm working for a product company and I'm enjoying it. One of the things I used to say to myself when I used to work at an agency was, you know, how can I work at a product company and work on the same product every single day? Isn't that going to be super boring? Mm. But I think you just need to find the right company and the right product that you're passionate about and find interesting problems that that company is continuing to solve. just laid out for us um you've also spent a few years teaching product management at general assembly general assembly is a kind of like a, a catch-all coding school uh, based out of north america so they do like 
software development, they do design, and they do now product management, I guess. How did you get involved? Uh, how, well, I guess, how does one become a product manager teacher? I got involved in it from LinkedIn. So networks mm-hmm. are very beneficial and yeah, important. There was an individual. So prior to General Assembly Toronto, there was an organization called Bitmaker Lab. Oh, yeah. Right? Now, they got acquired by General Assembly a couple of years ago, but at the time, there was an individual there named Andrew, who was kind of the manager of the community or community events. I connected with him on LinkedIn, and we met for coffee close to an office of a company that I was working at when I was at Connected. I don't remember specifically what we met for, but I was giving him feedback or advice on something. And while we were discussing, you know, what he does, I basically asked, hey, do you guys offer product management courses? Because I know that one of their competitors, BrainStation, was offering product management courses. So I just asked randomly. And he said, I don't think so, but let me get back to you. Hmm. So he reached out to the CEO of Bitmaker at that time. And it just so happened that they were in the process of starting product management classes. I met with him, I expressed my interest and I got the job. And from the onset of them offering those classes, I've been an instructor with them up until we're in November, right? Yeah. Up until last month. Yeah. So very recent. Yeah. 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 So it's been roughly three and a half years that I've been with them teaching product management courses, many cohorts, many students. So part-time product management courses, but also workshops to developers, designers, product managers, and just business people in general. It's been a fun experience. Very rewarding. Cool. And um, uh, so you came in at the beginning of the program. Does that mean that you had to come up with your own syllabus or did you kind of work with a group of other teachers to come up with a shared syllabus? Because there's more than one school, right? So I was one of the first instructors. They did have some other instructors there at the time. I believe there were two others, including myself, though one had to drop out due to other priorities, but they assisted with putting the syllabus together. But fortunately, over the years, as we as we gain experience, as we spoke to the students, we did modify the syllabus every now and then just mm-hmm. to make it relevant. And they continue to do that as, as well. So I didn't have to build the syllabus from scratch. I had something that I could have worked, that I worked off of. And then from there, we just continued to refine it over time. It seems like it seems like product management is something that's very difficult to teach um, because every product manager that I talk to has a different experience and a different story, uh, how they got into the industry, what kind of companies they work for, you know, what their responsibilities are. Even if you go on LinkedIn and look at job descriptions, each job description for each product manager seems to be unique. And it's almost infuriating because it seems like companies tend to make up their own description for what the role entails these days. I'm curious, like, what kind of students do you get and what kind of questions do you get from them primarily? And yeah, let's start there. I have some more questions. <laughs> so the students have generally been a mix. In some cases, we had individuals who were experienced product managers. They were product managers for many years. It's just they never had any formal training, like mm-hmm. myself initially, right? Some way, somehow they got into product management and they learned as they went along, but they never really had that classroom environment to learn, okay, here are the frameworks, here's how to run a design sprint, here's how to communicate with developers, et cetera. We've also had developers or designers who, some who wanted to transition into product management and were able to successfully, but then you also have the bunch that they don't have a goal of becoming product managers, 
They just simply want to learn about product management to know what do these people called product managers at my organization do, mm. right? And then we've also had some individuals who they also didn't have a goal of becoming a product manager, but they had their own startup that they were working on. And of course, when it comes to entrepreneurship and product management, the skills are transferable, right? Right. You're building your own startup. If you are the founder of your company in the initial days, you are the first product manager, totally. right? So yeah, the, the students have generally been a, a mix from a variety of different backgrounds. And it's very rewarding when someone comes in to the very first class and they don't know much. And then 10 weeks later, they understand what the roles and responsibilities of a product manager are throughout the product development, you know, process. They understand how to communicate with developers, how to validate their ideas. They have a good understanding of strategy and delivery and a lot more. And just the fact that it allows me to expand my network and keep in touch with some of these cool people as, as well. Mm. And, and what kind of like general questions do you get? primarily from the students, like things that you hear over and over again uh, throughout your different cohorts? Yeah, nothing super difficult. Some of the questions that I've generally heard was, you know, I have a great idea. Should I share it with others? I'm afraid that they're going to steal it from me. What do I do? Right. Mm. Also questions related to prioritization, because one of the things I tell the students is as a product manager, you're always going to have a long list of things that you can do, but you need to understand what are you going to do and why, mm -hmm. right? Then there's the usual question of, do I need to know how to code? How much of a quote unquote technical product manager do I need to be? Do I need to understand deeply how software and technology works? And then you also have those questions related to working with different stakeholders and making the right decisions based off of what makes the most sense for the customer, the business, but at the same time, the incentives of the stakeholders that you work with as well. And is there anything that like, is there anything that is particularly difficult or impossible to teach that uh, people have to actually get into the role to really learn, in your opinion? I would personally say, so when it comes to product management, I'd say the fundamentals aren't difficult to teach, in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? I mean, to a certain extent, there is a science to all of this. It's not to say that if you follow all the frameworks and the steps of the quote unquote science, you're always going to have a successful product, but there are steps you can take. One of the things that I'd say is difficult to teach, which you're not going to get or improve until you have experience, which is extremely important is stakeholder management, mm. just working with and managing different stakeholders, because it's not just working with them to accomplish the goals of your product, but it's also dealing with the various personalities of the different people you're going to meet and sometimes clashing with what they may want based off of the incentives that are tied to their work mm. versus what you feel is best for the business and the customer and also their team as, as well. And that's something that I continue to learn and try to improve in my own workplace because you worked in companies as you know even when you work with clients and customers you meet very interesting personalities mm -hmm. indeed aren't we all trying to learn that it's really uh the one of the core skills that uh, one of my la my previous guests mentioned was uh communication cross-functional team communication and stakeholder communication absolutely important very difficult to teach. It's something that you have to learn through failing i think <laughs> yes. you have to miscommunicate yes. enough times to know how to communicate um, yeah, and, and it's important because it's so vital to one of the key responsibilities of a product manager, right? Which is? 
Well, basically working with your teams to accomplish whatever goals you have for the organization as right, well. Because right. the product manager can't do things on their own. They have to rely on other specialized stakeholders to get things done. Being the glue, essentially, between yes. all of them. Yeah, totally. Now let's talk a little bit about the science that you mentioned and, uh, and take a look at how you have yourself codified the approach in your book. Um, very recently, I think it was about a month ago, you published a book titled Product Management, A Complete Guide on Creating Products That People Love. This is a 300-page behemoth, very well-structured and laid out, very easy to read. First question is, like, when did you decide that you were going to write a giant book and... How did you kind of go from envisioning it in your mind to making it real? I believe I started working on it in June. Of this year, 2020. Yeah. So years ago, I thought to myself, let me write a book, right? It'd be cool to be an author. And my initial idea was rather than writing a book from beginning to end, I have a decent amount of product managers in my network. So what I do is I'd interview maybe 20 of them. I'll gather all their answers in a book and I'll just put my name as the author, right? There you go. <laughs> right. I'm an author and there's not much work that I have to do. But a friend of mine did a similar idea, but he did more than that, whereby he actually summarized what they, he summarized the answers. And then along with that, he shared his thoughts on how to get into the field. So I can't do that anymore. That product or that problem has already been solved. Mm. So I thought to myself, it's COVID times. I'm working at home. I have free time why not just write a book from beginning to end on if someone wanted to learn about product management, at least the fundamentals and some extra, here's what they should know. Because as you've probably experienced, every once in a while, people might reach out to you on LinkedIn asking you questions about product management, All right? The time. What are the best ways for me to get into it? Should I do this? Should I do that, et cetera? What do I need to know? So mm -hmm. besides people just messaging me and me sending sometimes the same responses to many people, now I have a resource that I can potentially just send them, hey, check out this book, read this chapter, and you'll get the answer. And if it's not there, then let's chat further. But yeah, I started in June. How I went about it, I started with the table of contents, just thinking about me being a product manager. And from what I taught from my experience, what does the flow look like from when you have a problem or when you're looking for a problem to solve? to going about developing that product, testing that product, launching new products, some things you need to consider as you're working on it, and then post-launch. And then a lot with that, what are some of the general questions that people have asked, things that people have anxiety about? And I just wrote. I made time, and I wrote, I wrote, and I wrote. Mm. I think the most difficult part of writing a book is getting your initial manuscript done. But once that's done, my life was easier thereafter because then I just had to work with other people to get things done, you know, do the design, copying it, copywriting it, sorry. And then along with that, getting feedback from people in my network on if what I wrote was correct and if it made sense. And then I also decided to include six interviews of, mm. or sorry, six interviews with product managers within my network, just for them to share their stories and experiences as well. Because as you mentioned, product managers come from a variety of backgrounds, right? So initially in the book, I share my experience, but they also shared their experience of all of how they got into product management, just to let people know that whether you are a social worker in the past, for example, or you are an MBA grad or a consultant or a project manager, 
it is possible for you to get into product management. Here are some people that have done it, but here are some things that you need to consider. Mm. And then along with that, if you want to know, you know, how important is it for you to know how to code versus what are the most important skills versus what are some books that you can read? Here's their feedback for you. One of the things that I really, I love about the book. So there's, there's two things in particular that really stand out to me. One of them is the layout. So you, you lay it out in a uh, chronological fashion, which is to say, these are the things that you need to know going into product management. And then when you start working on a product, these are some of the initial steps that you need to take to become successful from strategy to planning, et cetera. And then there's like the whole design component, working with designers, working with developers, there's like uh, analysis and uh, research involved. And you lay it all out like a guide. And I really, I really enjoy that layout because, man, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I wish I had this book years ago when I first started. It would have helped made my life a lot easier in initial interviews that I went to because I think it would have given me the language to be able to talk intelligently to the role early on. So that's one thing that I really liked. And then the second thing was how you used really interesting storytelling examples to illustrate what you're talking about. Some of the most dry books that I've ever read are the ones that kind of are very um, prescriptive, like do this, uh, do that. You need to know these terms. These terms mean this. And then you have to go and utilize these things to be able to achieve X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be successful. And it's fine. Like, okay, great. I know their formula, but just to provide an example, to talk to give an, an idea of what I'm I'm trying to get at here is in one of your chapters, you start the chapter by telling a story. And that story is about how your mom went out to a store one day to buy you an N64. And you had a choice of games. And there was a bunch of games that were there, and you decided on Pokemon Snap. Uh, and I read that and I love that. I thought that was hilarious. And you you brought brought home Pokemon Snap, and you're like, damn, this game sucks. <laughs> and you were very disappointed by that. And I, and I read that, and I was like, and it made me laugh. And But the reason why it, I remember it is because you were describing the difference between an end user and a customer. And you described the customer as being your mother. She was the one who was out and actually making the purchase. And you, your young self, was the end user. And you were then going to take those two terms and then apply them to product management and apply them to positioning and market positioning and how you position a product itself. And I thought that was really, really well done. Um, and I promise I'll get to my question here. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the question that, that I really have is, when you were initially envisioning that book, did you envision yourself being so descriptive and have it be full of storytelling in the way that it ended up being? And is that kind of reflect your teaching style as well? It does reflect my teaching style and it was intentional. One of the things that I think my students appreciate about my classes is the fact that I don't just necessarily just teach the lesson slides, nor do I just give examples, but the examples that I give are based off of my experience. And then along with that, no one wants to read a boring book, right? Even right. from the cover title, I do think product management is a cool field, but 
I want to do service to this job. If I just wrote a book on the A to Z of product management and left it at that, people can watch YouTube videos or they can read online articles. Human beings like hearing and reading good stories. So I decided to share some stories from my life in the book just to make it more interesting, to make it more funny, and just to help to drive some of the points home. Because as you mentioned, it's one thing for me to say a customer is this, a user is that, and it's another thing for me to share a story that's memorable because I do feel that even if people don't remember the specifics, just sharing that story, it'll make it easier for them to understand. And even as you read the book, as you've probably noticed, the book to a certain extent is just how I speak, just to make it easier for people to, to learn and benefit from it. So that was intentional. And honestly, it made it more enjoyable for me to write as, as well. Yeah. Rather than just writing an essay, for example, I'm thinking back on stories from my experience and sharing this with others. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, I really appreciate that about your book. And I think it's it's a it's a good differentiating factor from uh, a lot of the other books out there. Um in terms of in terms of like launching this thing and like thinking about the overall strategy on how to launch a book, what was your plan? Uh did you rely on like a network? Uh and did you spend any marketing dollars on this? How did you how did it go how did you go about it? My initial plan with the book was to launch it on Product Hunt, which I did. And sometimes in life, you don't get you don't get things unless you negotiate or you ask for them. I remember asking my friend prior to the launch because I have a decent amount of individuals on my LinkedIn network at the time, maybe at least twelve hundred. So I thought to myself, should I reach out to a number of them and ask them to share my book with their network when it launches? Or should I just launch it and see what happens? Because I don't always like asking people for favors mm. because then it's kind of like you owe them. And I don't like feeling like I owe people because I don't feel as free as I'd like to, right? right? Even though things are free, people still expect things from you. But he told me, no, reach out to them and ask them to share it with their network. So I literally went through my LinkedIn network and I thought to myself, here are people that I talk to on a regular basis that I have a decent connection with. So of the 1,200 connections I had at the time, I think I reached out to around 450 of them, wow. made an Excel sheet, messaged them directly, and I said, hey, I'll be launching my book. Are you interested or willing to share it with your LinkedIn network when it launches? And more than 50% of them said yes. So when the time came for launch, I launched it on Product Hunt. I asked Roblay to share it because he hunts many products when he launches something on Product Hunt people pay attention. Mm. And then the morning of, I followed up with my connections and I asked them, hey, the product is launched. Can you share it with your network? And literally for weeks on end, I continued to get notification messages that this person shared it, this person shared it. So cool. the product was successful. It reached top five, hunted of the day. To be honest, that wasn't even a goal that I was aiming for. My initial goal was to have at least 1,000 downloads, mm. which I accomplished in the first day. I think Amazing. at the end of the first day, I had roughly 1300 while it was free. So I kept it free for two days. And in those two days, I had around 2,150 downloads. Wow. But yeah, it reached top five. And to be honest, it's due to my LinkedIn, my LinkedIn connections. If not for them sharing it with their networks who shared it with others, it would not have, have accomplished as much as it did. And the top five on product hunt for the day was just a cherry on, on top of it, which was nice. So that, that was my marketing strategy, just utilizing my network. Yeah. It benefited greatly. I did not spend any marketing dollars yet. Great. But the book's done. Great. Yeah, the book's done. It's out there and it's, it's doing yeah. its own thing. So right now, like where, where, where can you find it? Like, do, we, do you have to go to Product Hunt to buy it? 
So you can get it on Product Hunt. You can also get it on my website, www.producthall.com. Okay, interesting. Cool. Um, that's a great uh, transition, actually. Let's talk about Product Hall and what that actually is. Um, one of the things that we've been talking about is your, your next venture, which is called Product Hall. You mind uh, sharing a little bit about what that is and uh, what we can expect? Sure. So Product Hall is an online school, an online academy for people to learn product management. Everything that someone needs to ship digital products that they have full control over, no templates and no dull lessons. It allows students to obtain the foundations, the main knowledge they need, the frameworks, the tools, and along with that, the one-on-one -on -one mentorship that they need to succeed in their roles. Whether they are a new or aspiring product manager, an experienced product manager who hasn't had any formal training, a business person or business manager who wants to understand how exactly do they manage their products to take their business strategy forward, or an entrepreneur who's working on a digital product who wants it to be successful and wants to know what are the steps that I need to take to ensure that I'm building a successful product and a sustainable business along with it. It's a school to help these people accomplish these goals. Mm, and and I'm similarly to the book, how did you decide like i'm i just want to say i'm thoroughly impressed with your like ability to take an idea and make it real uh i mean that is like the critical skill for any product manager and i think you embody that and live that in your life but coming back to my question similarly to the book how did you conceive of the idea uh of saying you know what i'm just gonna have my own online academy i'm just gonna start my own school screw this and then actually go about doing it where does that idea come from and and how do you bring it to life teaching a general assembly has been a positive and fun experience i just feel given me being there for the past three and a half years and the growth in the interest of product management and along with that just my own creative pursuits and ideas i think there's a lot more value that can be added and provided to students who want to accomplish product related goals so that's one of the main reasons that i started it just to offer more in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? Some of the perks or some of the additional value adds of the school is of course, we're gonna have live interactive classes, 60 plus hours of learning in class time and also outside of class time from important assignments to required readings, just to make sure that students are well grounded in product management, bringing in speakers from top tech firms as well. So there's myself as the main instructor, but also bringing in product managers from within my network to come in not just teach the material, but also talk about their experience to help these students tie the knowledge and the theory and the frameworks to practical application. Because it's one thing to say, for example, if you want to manage or understand your stakeholders, make a stakeholder register. It's another thing when a product manager is telling you about difficult situations that they had with stakeholders they worked with and what are the steps that they took to address them. Just to help students understand, okay, yes, this is the theory, for example, mm -hmm. this is the knowledge that you're gaining, but the practical application may be different with regards to how it's applied. There's also mentorship during the course and after. One of the things that I'd say differentiates me from others is I actually love teaching. So even prior to teaching product management, I've been teaching martial arts classes for many years. Teaching. I enjoy it when, yes. Oh, cool. I have a black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, I'm damn. currently learning Krav Maga. I keep myself busy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy it when someone comes in not knowing much 
and I'm there to help them grow and accomplish their goals. And they're able to walk away having a good foundational knowledge of what they came in for. So even the students that I've taught at General Assembly in the past, I continue to keep in touch with them. A couple of months ago, one of my students, she's currently in Europe, she reached out to me just to help her solve a problem that she's having at work. And I appreciate it, right? Mm. So there's mentorship during the course. Even once the student completes the course, they have lifetime access to me, at least for the time being. If I end up having hundreds of students in yeah. the future, that may potentially change. Right. But for now, it's available, right? Not just with regards to them earning their certificate and learning the fundamentals, but once they actually get into a product management role, or if they are in one, they have an experienced and seasoned product manager that they can reach out to for assistance because mentorship is something that has assisted me and continues to assist me in my career. There's also the benefit of the community as well. You know, you get access to a community of other product enthusiasts and just providing flexible payment options as well. For those who want to get into the field, for those who want to learn the basics, I don't want financing to be something that's too difficult for people. Mm. So just allowing them to pay at a flexible schedule with no interest attached for late payments for in a schedule that works for them, basically. But yeah, I started a cohort yesterday. Students are very excited and engaging, and I'm looking forward to growing this institution. Product management, there's more interest in this field. I feel like more businesses and business executives understand more the value that product managers bring. Mm -hmm. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy starting things and growing them. So I'm really looking forward to product hall. Yeah, see no how it kidding. does. No kidding. I'm I'm looking forward to see how it does too. Uh, I uh, you know just thinking about about it kind of boggles my mind. Like I think about what goes into something like this. What goes into like the time investment that you have to put in into building it, into building out your your reputation, uh, the actual like bureaucracy of a an academy you know like it it's kind of it's kind of nuts um are you are you thinking about doing this entire excuse me entirely on your own or are you like it does your vision for what it looks like involve bringing people on full-time or even on a part-time basis to be able to kind of help with the more um bureaucratic busy work of maintaining something like this covid has benefited me in the sense that I've been working from home since March. Mm. So I've actually had an idea of starting Product Hall maybe two years ago. And I started formulating the plans for it a year ago. But once I transitioned from one job to the next and I had some downtime, that was when I got the opportunity to sit down to come up with the lesson plans to work on the website. So having that downtime really assisted me. I do have a full-time job. I plan on continuing my full-time job. I like or I like to have product hall in, I like to have it set up in a way whereby I don't necessarily have to be tied down to any location per se, mm, right? Yeah. So currently it is a part-time gig for me. Well, part-time in the sense that the classes are part-time, but mm. of course I'm always gonna have it top of mind and be working on it. The plan at the moment at least is I will be the one that's managing most of the day-to-day -day logistics. And to be honest, one of the things I learned about at Tiny Hearts in general is just the importance of process, right? So once you have the right processes and the right templates set up and the right machine going, things aren't as difficult. Mm. So I'm trying to set up the right processes where literally to a certain extent, every week, all I have to do is just show up, teach the class, reach out to the students every once in a while to a certain extent, make myself available to answer their questions. But I don't expect there to be too much heavy work when it comes to the 
logistics and operations side. Just keep in mind, I don't have a physical brick and mortar location. That's not mm-hmm, the plan. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to be online. So people can learn from the comfort of their home and I can teach from the comfort of wherever I am. So right now the plan at least is mainly me, but in the future, as it grows, I do want to bring in at least for now, more guest instructors from the product management community. But Hey, if I start getting a super large amount of students in the future, who knows where this will, who knows where it'll go, but I'll take it a day at a time. As you know, you launch version one, you iterate, you get feedback, you look mm-hmm. at your metrics and you continue to make it better. So it's a startup for now. I'm currently with my first class. They're going through the curriculum. They'll give me feedback and then on to the next one. But key thing is the students that come in, I want them to really learn to value the experience, to get as much out of it as they can, and just to succeed in their roles and their goals and their careers thereafter. If they're successful, then I'll be happy. And I think Product Hell will continue to be successful. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's so wonderful. And so if I'm if I am a prospective student, what can I expect? So is it like one class a week, two classes a week? Uh, what's the structure of the syllabus and how many weeks total? So it's a 10 week program. There is one class a week, one three hour class with breaks in between. Okay. And besides the in-class time outside of class, you can expect to spend another three hours roughly. Okay. There are two required readings per week just to assist the students with the knowledge. There are weekly assignments and there is a final project that all students have to work on. It's one thing for me to come to class and talk and teach. It's another thing when I teach the knowledge, the frameworks and the theory and these students, they actually apply it. So all the steps with regards to the product development process or most of them, the students will be applying them in a problem that they're actively working on solving. And then they'll be presenting the culmination of their work in the half week, sorry, the half the cohort mark in roughly week six. And then also week six or seven, and then also a final project that they have to present in the last week, just to help them, not just with regards to improving their presentation skills, but also actually applying what they are learning in the class. And then along with that, it also benefits them because it gives them an artifact that they can show when they go into future interviews as well, right? right? Because as you've read the book, you, if you weren't an experienced product manager, now you'd understand the terminology, the lingo that product managers use. So by the end of the class, all the students will understand this, but rather than just going into an interview and be able to speak like a product manager, it's beneficial to actually say, hey, here's a problem that I came up with. I validated it. I talked to actual customers. I designed it. Here's the prototype. Here's my roadmap. Here are the here are the metrics and the goals that I've defined for the product and how I plan on improving it post-launch. Here are the different risks that I thought of for the product and project risks, et cetera, and how I plan on mitigating them. So yeah, long answer to your question, but basically three hour class a week, roughly three hours outside of class. So six hours a week, 60 hours of learning, though there is more than that. 10 weeks goes by quickly and then you're done. You get your certificate and you move forward with your life and accomplishing your goals. Amazing. Cool. That's uh, fantastic. Um, I'm super excited to see where this goes. section here um i'd like to ask you some questions about 
what your thoughts are on the future of product management, kind of generally speaking. Given your book release and your general ambitions with the school, you've got a very strong grasp on product management as a whole as it exists today. Um, can you share what your thoughts are on where the profession is heading in the future and like kind of like taking into consideration not just the role itself, but like how people will eventually find their way into the role? One of the things I've seen, which I don't know if I'm exactly a fan of, I see product management job postings and sometimes these job postings ask for someone who has an MBA, yeah. right? And I've even been asked that question before, should I get an MBA to become a product manager? Mm -hmm. Usually my answer is no. Unless, of course, someone's going to pay for that MBA for you or you're just loaded with cash. But even then, I still wouldn't advise it because you don't have to take two years out of your life to get an MBA and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars just to become a product manager. Yeah. If that's the goal, you can accomplish the goal without getting an MBA. Though an MBA is valuable and it depends on your goals. I do think that institutions like mine, Product Hall, even Product School, BrainStation, these other institutions are beneficial and valuable. For people who want to get into product management, they are needed to a certain extent because you take a course like this for 10 weeks, for example, in that 10 weeks time, by the time you're done, you'll understand as a product manager, what your roles and your responsibilities are going to be. You'll have a good foundational knowledge with regards to everything that's required to be a good product manager, and you'll have enough knowledge to move forward and continue learning on your own. It's not to say that people need to take these boot camps or these part-time courses to become product managers, but they do help tremendously with regards to getting the knowledge and the key, the key skills that you need, rather than just learning on the job and making a whole bunch of mistakes. If you can avoid these, why not? Product management, I've noticed, is becoming more popular. I feel like back in the day, it might have been, let's just say, being a software developer, right? Right. Which still is, but even... Was it today? Someone reached out to me. They're interested in the course. They're currently a product manager at a Toronto startup. Sorry, they're currently a software developer at a Toronto startup, but they want to move into product management. Mm. Whereas if it was me five years ago, I'd be saying, why do you want to become a product manager? I want to be a developer. Do you know how much money you guys are making with your great skills? But it's becoming True. more popular. And I think, as I mentioned in the past, business leaders and executives, they're starting to see the value that product managers bring to the table. And to be honest, the world is only getting more complex, especially when it comes to software and technology. And product managers are important for breaking down this complexity mm. and helping businesses decide based off of the various problems that are in the world or that they're facing. These are the problems that should be solved for users and the reasons why. So at least in my opinion, I do see this I do see this field growing in popularity. The workshops I've taught in the past, I've noticed even college university students attend them now, not just business leaders, right? right? And then along with that, as it does continue to grow, I'm just curious to see myself what, what happens with product managers in general. Unlike a PMP designation, mm -hmm. which if you want to become a project manager or get a job, you should have that designation. There isn't one formal death. There isn't one formal designation for product managers. Right. So if you have a certificate from Product Hall, for example, that may be fine. But it'd be interesting to see if some product managers get together in the future and say, okay, this is the certificate, the de facto certificate that you need to be a product manager. 
Do I doubt it? Because even though the foundations or the fundamentals of product management are still the same, there is still some creativity to the role in a certain extent. But even myself, even though I've been in this field for seven years, I'm also curious to see where it's going to go in the future. I just expect it to be more popular, more people to get into it, mm -hmm. and more people to value product managers in general, and hopefully understand what exactly they do. Yeah, hopefully. And that's kind of what uh, I think our initiatives are really trying to get to at the core is to help people understand the value of product management and, and really get to a point where it's generally appreciated and understood. Um, would you, on that last point that you made, uh, would you agree that one of the challenges to that kind of PMP certification that's, you know, a, a, a kind of like that that stamp that you need, you know, uh, on your resume to be able to get project management jobs or at least be, uh, you know, put at the top of the pile for project management jobs. One of the challenges of doing that for product management is that there are so many types or at least there are an evolving, um, the role itself is evolving into many different types of product managers. And depending on who you are and where you are, your job could be completely different than another product manager elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. Because a product manager who has experience working at agencies, a skilled product manager who has lots of experience, but their focus areas are going to be a lot different than a product manager that works at product companies, for example, yeah. right? Or even another product manager that works at agencies, but the companies in the industries that they focus on are a lot different. So to a certain extent, I can understand why it's difficult or why it can be difficult to codify this and set one standard certificate per se. But one of the things I tell people, because sometimes I get asked when it comes to hardware products, what's the difference, right? I think the foundations or fundamentals of product management in general are the same at least for the fundamentals, mm. it's just based off of the work that you're doing. Of course, you might have additional inputs and stakeholders that you need to keep in mind. But then along with that, as you continue to to, as you continue to progress in your career, there are some focus areas that you might decide to dive more deeper into, right? Whether it's software and technology or delivery, actually getting products built and shipped out the door or focusing more on business strategy or data mm. analytics, for example. Right. Or even like uh, focusing on e-commerce versus like mm -hmm. backend data integration. Like you see product managers who specialize in um, uh, APIs. Uh, like if you look at like on Shopify, Shopify has jobs where it's like product manager for API. Like you are a product manager dedicated to an API. You know, that's kind of bananas to me. Whereas, you know, like in my role, I do everything from iOS to Android to web to backend systems, uh, integrations, and data management. Anyways, all that to say, uh, I think I, I agree with you on that. So other than trying to codify um, the equivalent to a PMP for product management, where do you see yourself going in the next few years? What's next for you in the future? To be honest, I have no clue. I used to ask myself, and I still ask myself this question, and I ask other people this too, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Me, the only thing that I can say that I'm fairly certain I'll be doing is that I will be teaching or training martial arts in some capacity. Mm. And I imagine that I'll still be a product manager. One of the things that I love about being a product manager that I hated about accounting 
is that as a product manager, I'm not siloed in doing one specific task on a daily basis. True. Every day it's something new. I get to chat with customers. I get to chat and work with my customer success team. I have say with regards to how a product is developed, working with the developers and the designers. I can flex my creativity and my communication muscles, et cetera. So I do enjoy the role. I think to myself, if I was doing something else, what would I potentially be doing? Don't know. So I am happy that I've landed in a role such as this. Maybe in the future, I will be in more of a senior position. I plan on continuing to grow Product Hall. Right now, the part-time classes, maybe in the future, there might be some online conferences or just pop-in sessions for people to learn about product management in general. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. Main focus areas in my life at the moment are continuing to improve my craft as a product manager within my current company in compliance, growing Product Hall, and hopefully working towards my black belt in Krav Maga. Cool. And passing on my Taekwondo knowledge as, as well. Cool. Awesome. Um, any parting words? No. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, it's been my pleasure. Uh, I, I am thoroughly impressed with you and your work ethic. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see how much you've been able to do in such a short period of time. Uh, and I take inspiration from that. And I hope I can carry that ethic forward into this podcast and really uh, help people as well through through this in the same way that you have through General Assembly, your book, and now Product Hall. Um, and I wish you the very best of luck and I hope to uh, keep in touch with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friends, for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about Quadri's book, you can find it in the description text attached to this podcast. You can also learn more about Product Hall at www.producthall.com. I'm Nicholas Kanhai, and as always, stay focused on your goals and be good to others. Until next time.